Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today's episode number 65. It is the third week of April. Wow, it's gone fast of 2021. And it's been a few weeks since we were able to talk the best classes in drag racing, and that is on me entirely. I've been dealing with what can only be described as something close to death, or at least that's what it seemed like to me. Technically, it was a respiratory infection, not the Rona, shockingly, uh, but something I've had off and on throughout my life But this version just simply was nastier than most. Luckily, I have a smoking hot friend who is able to diagnose me and helped me with some meds to get much better. Uh, But it was bad. I couldn't breathe. uh, And if I talked, I mean, just even spoke a word or if I laughed or coughed or did any type of uh, action like that at all, then I went into this coughing fit for the next 20 to 30 minutes, and that was just ruthless. Um, It would start the whole process all over again, Um, and which, as you can imagine, is not helpful if you're trying to put out a podcast where you talk for an hour straight. Um, To be fair, there were probably a few people out there that would have loved to known that I couldn't talk at all for a week or two. Uh, They would truly relish that moment, but uh, good for me, they have moved on and didn't get to the opportunity to say ridiculous things to me uh, without me calling them on their idiocy. So uh, I think that worked out well for all of us. But it was nasty, man. The, uh, this uh, thing in my chest was absolutely nasty. Uh, and I felt like Doc Holliday in Tombstone where he has tuberculosis and is just sweating and coughing and barely hanging on. And then, just when I was about to let the consumption take over, I saw Johnny Ringo, and it got me fired up. I started flipping my coffee mug all around like a six-shooter. The difference is, in this case, Johnny Ringo is the new paint scheme for the Simmermaker Motorsports bracket car. And man, I was excited. I I got fired up. It brought some life and juice back into me. I just started saying, I'm your Huckleberry, to like anybody who would listen. And then when I got to feeling better and I knew that continuing our Fast Bracket podcast therapy sessions were going to happen, that's when I did what you knew was always going to happen I started screaming at the infection. You're no Daisy. You're no Daisy at all. So thanks for hanging in there with me, folks. I'm back at it, and there is lots to cover in this Daisy of an episode. So get to doing whatever it is you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute, clean the shop, get to work on the old heat, but metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get him hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. 
Okay, wow, here we go. If you've been a listener for a while, you know that a month being away is way too long for me to keep this thing off the rev limiter. So here we go. And if you've been a long time listener, I am resetting this, but it's worth repeating because it is just so insane. I had to travel a little bit while sick. And essentially all I could do, uh, I certainly couldn't talk to anyone, but driving seemed to be okay. So I had a run to make and I did travel some. So I call it, let's call it a thousand miles. It wasn't that much, but just let's call it that so that the math is easy. Guys, girls, in that a thousand miles, I easily passed 200 plus drivers on the right lane in the right lane because they were camping out in the left lane. And no, it wasn't because I was driving excessively fast and was on the right-hand shoulder. No, no. I'm talking about being on the highway, cruising along at a speed a few miles above the speed limit and coming up on a driver that is cruising at the speed limit in the left lane with no one in the right lane. This is absolute insanity to me, and there should be harsh penalties for people who do this. Additionally, and I used to think this madness was mostly contained to drivers in Minnesota, but it is clearly spreading because I was in Kentucky and Tennessee, and the insanity was everywhere. I just don't get it. We obviously have listeners who are educators, who are driver's ed teachers, who interact with young people on a daily basis. And I beg you, what are we teaching these young people? This is exhibit A on the breakdown of society. We have rules for a reason. And when those rules are disregarded, the destruction starts. And believe me, the destruction is evident. It's out there. Uh, Please, if you are a driver's ed teacher, please reach out to me and help me understand what is happening with our society. Because I had to communicate with a few drivers as I passed them on the right-hand side, just like Goose did to that MIG. You know, hand signals because I couldn't talk, but they could see that, you know, I was upset and they were confused as to why I was confused that they were in the wrong lane. To me, and this is uh, simplifying life, but this is how I operate. To me, there should be two questions and two questions only on the driver's test. A, should I hit anything or anyone with my car? B, what lane should I be in if I'm not passing anyone? If anyone can answer those two correct questions correctly, see if they can navigate a roundabout and then give them a driver's license. But for Pete's sake, can we get people out of the left lane if they aren't passing anyone? Who are these people that think the left lane is just for any random dolt to cruise along while they're playing car karaoke? And I'm serious about the driver's test because here's how my driver's test went. I was 14 year old and the weather had been nasty in Southern Illinois for the past couple of days. 
Uh, it had been one of those things where it laid a nice thick sheet of ice out all over the county and then proceeded to give us four or five inches of snow on top of that. Essentially, it was miserable and literally no, there was no good reason to drive around unless you absolutely needed to. And the old man had a 66 Chevy long bed pickup truck with a 283 and a four speed. But if you remember those gearboxes, first gear was granny low and second gear was still low. Um, eventually, I simply drove it around in third and fourth gear because second was so low and the clutch was heavy. I mean, when I first got in it, and this was before my beer drinking days, it sometimes took me both feet to push in the clutch. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm 14, it's snowing out, and the ice is still under the snow. And my dad just looks at me and says, let's go. And I'm like, where? And he doesn't even blink. He just says to me, you're learning to drive today. And I am like, um, hey, dad, I'm 14. I've never driven a clutch. It's icy and snowing out everywhere. And his response, uh, God love him, is if you can drive in this, you can drive anywhere. So off we went. And as I remember it, there was lots of screaming that day, Uh, all of it from the passenger seat. Uh, But when we got back home that day, um, in his mind, I must have earned my driver's license because we never talked about it again. And he never asked if I ever learned anything in driver's ed class. So therefore, if I, and I'm sure many of you are in the same boat, had a similar experience, can learn to drive in the ice and snow, granny gear, light in the rear end, truck test, then the rest of the world can figure out how to stay out of the left lane if you aren't going to pass someone. That left lane, that left side of the road is there for us, the people who have passed that ridiculous driver's test at 14 in the middle of winter and know how to handle a vehicle. Those of you that read the book, stay in the right lane, please. All right, let's put this thing in the beams. And guys, girls, this will be a much different in the beam segment today than I've ever done before. So hang on with me just for a minute. Um, I, I did joke earlier about thinking I was going to die. And to be fair, those thoughts were real. But... The, the thought of death and the fact that none of us will get out of this life alive was hammered home to us last week uh, with the passing of Diane O'Neill, the wife of top sportsman racer Don O'Neill. Many of you knew her story and the fight with cancer her and Don went through over the past couple of years. Uh, the, the hashtag do it for die was all over social media last week and rightfully so. Diane was a huge supporter of her husband, of our classes, and drag racing in general. And I know the loss is hitting those that knew her especially, well, hard right now. Um, And it got me to thinking about how precious life is and how much those of us that race and support those who race sacrifice so that we can do what we love. Um, It can be all-encompassing sometimes, and in the moment, we can forget to take a minute and thank the people who travel with us and support us, uh, as well as taking the time to enjoy the moment and the life that we are allowed to live. 
There have uh, certainly there's been lots of political turmoil recently, uh, but we are all alive to work through it. Um, that won't be said forever, and we should celebrate the opportunity to work through the struggle. We need to be thankful for what we have, and I'm talking to myself here also. Uh, I don't have everything I want in life just yet, but I'm working towards that. And I try not to be ungrateful at this point for what I don't have and mostly grateful for what I do. Uh, life is good and, and we shouldn't forget it. Uh, we, have all, we all have to kind of run the valves on our lives once in a while. And I personally am taking this moment to do exactly that. And I hope you'll join me. This, this segment is dedicated to, to Diane O'Neill and really all of those uh, who we've lost, the loved ones who we've lost, who were unselfish in their desire to help someone they love race to their greatest potential. One of the best things about this sport in my mind is that you can't really do this alone. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, I focus on the driver in this segment but we all know it takes much more to make these cars go down the track. Um, and so thank those people if you get a chance to today and enjoy the ability to strap it in, to put it you know, on the deck and let go of the button. Uh, tomorrow is promised to no one and racing isn't either. Today's Half Track Report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. And let's start uh, a couple weeks ago at the NHRA event in Houston. That was the D4 Divisional. Um, in top dragster, there were 28 cars, and 16 of those cars qualified faster than 618. Um, so really a nice field there. 27 of the 28 cars were in the sixes, but your number one qualifier was Dane Ward, from Mena, Arkansas, he goes 6'10 with a 2 for the top spot. Um, so a, a really nice class there, really uh, tight field. But your winner was Chance Bullock over Aaron Stanfield. Aaron, your reigning Division Four champ there. Uh, Chance is 10 on the tree, though, and had plenty in the bank to lead Aaron through at the stripe. Uh, nicely done, Chance Bullock. That is his first Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally. So congrats to him on his, uh, at his hometown track. It's it's kind of nice to win the last race of the weekend and then have a short trip home. So congrats to Chance Bullock for getting a very nice win over Aaron Stanfield in the top dragster final in Houston. On the top sportsman side, there were 30 cars. 20 of those were in the sixes. But your number one qualifier was Cameron Wright in his 19 Camaro. He goes 6'11 with a three for the top spot. Um, just an amazing uh, run there. But your winner was Alan Firestone over Cody Draper in the final. And Alan is 28 to Cody 65 at the tree. And Alan takes the stripe to win his eighth Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally. Um, his second year in a row winning at Baytown in third overall. And to top it off, he did it on his birthday. My man is showing no signs of slowing down, getting it done on his 60th birthday. So nice work to Alan Firestone and look out for that dude this year. Uh, I do not think it sat well with him 
that he had to put the number two on his window this year, and he is bent on putting the number one uh, on that window when this thing is over this year. So congrats to Alan Firestone for getting it done in Houston. Uh, Also that weekend was the PDRA event, the East Coast Nationals at Galat. That was April 10th. I got to watch that on the Flow Racing live feed, which was really nice. And what's also nice is to see that top dragster and top sportsmen are starting to become a major factor in the PDRA, and you love to see it. There were 56 top sportsman cars that showed up and 67 top dragster rigs that hauled into the galat to uh, get down and give PDRA credit. They have provided a great option for the top sportsman and top dragster crowd and the competitors have made it wildly known that they love racing this series. I mean, you get to show up and you're going to race in one of three categories, either the elite, the next version, which is 32 or 48, or if you can't make that field, you get to go into the bracket bash. So it's it's a great setup. Um, it allows the fast racers to last race against fast racers, but then it also makes sure that you get to race when you're there. So on the top sportsman elite side, I mean, it's it's really amazing. For the 16-car field, the bump was a 398.7. Just think about that in top sportsmen. Um, all three-second field for sure. We talked about that last year. It looks like that is going to be the norm this year. And your number one qualifier in Top Sportsman Elite is John Benoit. He goes a 373.5 at 203 miles an hour, which is just an amazing Top Sportsman setup in the eighth mile. Um, Like I said, the bump was a 398.7 at 191 miles an hour for uh, Dennis uh, Garibald. Really nice work to that whole crew. Uh, but your winner was Tim Molnar over Eric Coleman in the Erica Coleman in the final. They both went red trying to get going, but Tim went red last and a little less for the win. So congrats to Tim Molnar. Um, hang on to your hats for that. We'll we'll talk about that uh, red and the true start in some upcoming episodes. But uh, yeah, congrats to Tim Molnar for getting that done in Top Sportsman Elite. And then uh, the next 32 cars, the top sportsman 32, um, Barry Danilek goes 4007 at 181 miles an hour for the top spot in that. I mean, thinking going 4-0-0 and not making the elite field is just bonkers. Uh, but uh, that's that's what he did, and, and congrats to him for claiming the top spot. Uh, the bump for the 32 cars was Nick Raven's 450 with a 1. So that meant there were 48 top sportsman cars that were running under 450. Just amazing. Uh, and, and your winner ultimately was Ronnie Proctor over Scott Wasco. Ronnie, your former NHRA national champ, gets it done using that 433 dial in the final. And give Scott Wasco a lot of credit. He battled issues all weekend long and just fought to get a chance at that big check. Um, And I mean to tell you that the way I understand it, 
Even the golf cart gave him fits over the weekend, and Scott just kept on working on his stuff, fixing it, winning rounds, and almost got it done with that beautiful blue and white GTO. So nicely done to all the top sportsmen guys and girls who put on an absolute show. The top dragster side side was just as wild. Um, Let's start with the elite. Uh, Listen to this. Craig Addis goes number one with a 371.0 at 187 miles an hour. And the bump was Angie Travis's 393.5 at 184. The bump spot for 16 cars was a 393.5, guys. It's, it's amazing. Um, but Michael White ultimately gets it done over Kellen Farmer in the final. Kellen, of course, came on the very, very first Fast Brackets podcast, and so we always track him. But uh, Michael White in his 11 light used that slight starting line advantage to claim the victory. A heck of a race between those two and really shows off the class in terms of what are great lights, great performance numbers, and the driver's ability to drive the stripe. Uh, it It was just an impressive class overall in that top dragster elite. Uh, to all those guys. Uh, but congrats to Michael White for getting it done. Then they had enough cars to run top drags for 48. So they take the next 48 cars since they were there. Um, and the and the rest that didn't quite make it go to the bracket bash. So there isn't any risk, like we talked about earlier, in going to a PDRA event and not getting a chance to race. It's a beautiful setup, in my opinion. Uh, but your number one qualifier on the top drags for 48 side was Russ Whitlock's 395.7 at 179 miles an hour. The bump was Bill Madden's 486. And your winner was TG Pascal over Matt Buck. It looks like uh, Matt had a little bit of trouble, maybe in the semifinals, but certainly in the final. Um, but congrats to TG for getting it done in the top dragster 48 at uh, the PDRA kickoff event in Galat. Um, also then last week was the Vegas national event for the NHRA. We had two first time winners. So it was a, it was a good setup in, in Vegas, always a good reason to go to Vegas for sure. Um, but there were 34 cars on the top dragster side. Uh, number one was Taylor Vetter runs a six ten with a one nicely done there at 226 miles an hour. And uh, that that was good enough for the top spot, obviously. Your winner was Ryan Carlson over Tom Beyer. Carlson is 18, one above three. That's just too much for uh, Tom Beyer in the final. So nicely done. Ryan Carlson wins his first national event Wally in his first final round. So nicely done there. Um, and then on the top sportsman side, there were 30 cars, so not quite a full field, but very close. And Jeff Conley get, goes number one. He goes 6173 at 229 miles an hour. It's amazing. And goes wire to wire, starts in the number one spot, finishes in the winner circle. Jeff Conley over Paul Mitos in the final. Jeff is a 13 light and has some breathing room at the starting line and leads Paul through by just Eighth out at the stripe to dominate the weekend, giving him his first national event, Wally. So congrats to Jeff on an absolutely amazing weekend. Nicely done. Uh, Next week, I will bring you the results from 
the NHRA Division II SGMP event. There was a Division III event in St. Louis, but that has been postponed due to, get this, snow. Um, so they, they made an early call on that, on what was a double event there. And I think that is the right call because the weather just was never going to come around in St. Louis this weekend. And the Midwest Drag Racing Series had a similar issue. So they po postponed that event as well. Part of drag racing, part of dealing with the weather, but, uh, you know, uh, is what it is. But we'll bring you the SGMP event, uh, Division Two event next week. Oh, let's get out of the groove for a minute. Uh, or actually, let's don't. Uh, it's about time we stayed in the groove for at least one pass, uh, and that's this week. Uh, believe me when I tell you that I am about to get out of the groove in a big way in a few weeks. I'm working on something that I'm about to go public with and I'm extremely excited about. Um, and but So this week... We're going to keep it in the groove um, and not have much excitement for you down track uh, because um, we aren't all that far away from me pulling a full-on Funny Car Chaos style full track burnout from me that takes up the entire podcast. So uh, for this, this uh, episode, we're going to keep this thing in the groove, keep rolling down the track, but stay tuned and I will keep you posted. All right, as we hit the mile per hour cone, the NHRA went four wide in Vegas this week. And first off, there is never a wrong reason to go to Vegas. Uh, four wide would not be my first choice, but if your list of reasons to go to Vegas hits item number two, your list is done. It is time to pack, get going. That said, I don't love the four wide racing all that much. And I've been looking for anyone who does with not much luck. Um, if you do, that's great. Let me know. Come on the show and convince me. I'm happy to have anyone on who really enjoys that. Um, it, you know, and potentially, maybe it's just the nature of what we do and that there really isn't a way to do what we do with a breakout and run four cars at a time. So that could be it. I'm willing to admit that. Or, uh, you know, just the main reason, um, you know, I'm just not overly enamored with it. It's just not what I believe in my heart that two cars go down, one comes back. Um, you know, so I just, I don't love it in general terms. You also don't see other types of drag racing that also run heads up, uh, doing this. You don't see the street outlaw guys running four wide. Um, you know, the only four wide you see out of the NHRA fuelers is when the supercar guys line a bunch of them up. Um, and run at an airport in some deserted place, which is always hysterical to me because those guys roll in in their streetcars, albeit very fast, high-dollar supercars that I'd love to scoot around town in. But the same cars that they drove to this abandoned whatever, 
that is kind of just semi-blocked off um, and just semi just out in the middle of nowhere so there isn't anything to actually block off um, and then these guys who drove the car there and likely exceeding the posted speed limits of whatever road they came on to get to this house post anyway um, you know they come flying in there and then they stop and then they put on a one-piece logoed up driver suit and a helmet that you can tell they've never had on before in their entire lives. Then, after all that production, and we've all seen it, they proceed to drive in basically the wrong direction. And I mean, they're lined up straight, but they end up kind of driving off in an angle for some reason. Like these guys have had too much Perrier, and it maybe it disoriented them a little bit, like a bunch of kids on big wheels hopped up on Kool-Aid. It's all so ridiculous, and I cannot help myself from watching any of it as soon as I get I see something is on, and I just get roped into watching it. Um, anyway, luckily, all the folks driving in Vegas this past week kept it in a straight line, and that in and of itself is a major improvement. Um, here's what's weird to me. I'm never wrong. And I don't quite get the four wide stuff, uh, but obviously someone does because they were sold out um, in as much as they could sell out at the strip in Vegas this week. And I think what they had was a packed house. So good for them and good for the NHRA and good for all of us, really. Um, so to all of our friends that got down in Vegas this past weekend, good work, nicely done. Thank you for keeping it straight. Uh, but uh, I, I probably need a little help when it comes to the four-wide stuff. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane and take the stripe. Uh, guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 65. There it is. There's the wind light. And, of course, Chris, give it to me. Glory, uh... Nice. I love it. Hey, we did have a great week this week. Um, we talked Tombstone, which was nice. We talked Driver's Ed. We talked four-wide racing and ridiculous European supercar drag racers. Um, we got you updated on all the action over the past couple weeks, and we took a moment to be thankful for what we have and mourn the people that uh, we've lost here recently. Uh, but if you have comments, questions, or you know, curse words even for me, you know there are three ways to get at me. First of all, you can get at me on the Facebook page using Messenger. Um, you can find me on TikTok, I guess. I mean, it helps if you put some dance moves to it, but I don't think that's mandatory. And you can use the email fastbrackets at outlook.com. Uh, guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe.
I'm glad that you're back in the driver's seat. Everything sounded good. I'm glad to be back, Chris. It was a uh, rough going, very wild, wild west like for me for a while. Um, you know, like back in the day when they would say, um, "Have some whiskey, and then we're gonna bleed a couple pints of blood out of you, and that's gonna be the solution." That that was how it was for a while. Well, I. Th- I feel thoroughly browbeaten about driving on the left-hand side of the road. I'll never do that again. Nor should you. It's it's ridiculous, Chris, that people do it, and I, I it it makes me lose my flipping mind. You're no Daisy. You're no Daisy at all. Poor soul. He was just too high strung. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> 